this is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome. You're in uh, Battleground. It's Tuesday, 30 August, year of our Lord, 2022. We've got an incredible show this, this afternoon. It's going to be absolutely intense. I want to start in New Hampshire. We've got two fighters right at the top of the show. One is General Boldick from New Hampshire. The other is Tina Forte from New York. I want to go to General Boldick. General, uh, you know, we've been intensely following you, I think, for a couple of years now as you've been running, uh, going door to door in New Hampshire. But there's a bunch of polls that have come out recently. Another poll, I think University of New Hampshire poll. Uh, we got Matt Gates putting out a, a, an endorsement uh, tweet. Talk to us about the, the recent polls and, and what does it show about your momentum, sir? Well, it shows that um, we have been working very hard with Granite Staters for the last two years across this state, visiting every town and city and doing what New Hampshire does best. And that is talking with everybody we can talk to from all demographics, from all political parties, uh, age groups, you name it, and just really listening to them and learning from them, and then taking that and translating it into a message uh, to to uh, overcome the power and money in the establishment that has put us in this uh, terrible situation that people find themselves there in in the Granite State and across America, economically, uh, the debt uh, crisis, as well as the safety and security of Americans both at home and abroad. So it shows that when the people come together and you work together, it is much more powerful than a top-down, money-power-oriented uh, strategy. And that's what's baffling people. That's why people don't understand uh, why we're doing so well uh, without having to have all the power and money and the endorsements from the very wealthy political elite. Let me ask you, I want to go to, to who your general, uh, because in this contest, you know, they said, oh, he's not qualified. We have other guys or mayors or town managers that are qualified. And I think we put that to bed. So obviously there's there's always the grass, there's grassroots against the establishment in New Hampshire and, and you're fighting that. But I want to, because this uh, primary is so late, I actually want to talk about the general election. Tell me about your opponent and why do you think, what's the argument you make to Granite Staters that you are the best person to take her on and you're the you're the you're the best person to actually lock down the seat because the, the entire control of the united states senate may come down to this race sir yes so uh, going around talking to people of granite state they're they're very uh tired of career politicians and career politicians uh that aren't doing the work for them and everywhere i've gone the last two years uh, i've tied her to all the negative things that happened during COVID the lockdowns, the closing of businesses, the closing of our church, the taking away of our rights, and the fact that she hid. She hid from her duties and responsibilities as a leader, as someone who should have been out there taking the risks, because that's what leaders do. Leaders put people first. They take the risks. They make sure that they safeguard the people that, they're, that they have been elected to, uh, you know, to serve. And that's just not what happened. 
And people see that and they know that. And they, they're wondering where she's been for the last five and a half years. This month, she's been absolutely nowhere and she's been off. Uh, and so uh, people are wondering, what are you doing for us? And I just keep telling them that she's not doing anything. While she says, I'm an extremist and, and I hate women and, you know, in, in one venue. And then when I'm with her at uh, veteran events, I'm, I'm a hero. So my service to my nation, my belief in our principles and our values uh, in our constitution are good in one venue, but in her mind, negative in another venue. And this also uh, really bothers people. And the fact that she is Biden Hassan, Biden Hassan, everything that she's done, she sits on the Homeland Security Committee and we have no Homeland Security across the board. She sits on the cyber committee. and We've had the five largest cyber attacks we've seen in our nation's history. She sits on the supply chain and we have huge problems with our supply chain. She sits on the Veterans Committee and touts all the work she done, she's done, yet I'm a veteran who gets his care at the VA. I know the serious top-down problems which she's failed to address. And most importantly, the suicide rate among our service members is the highest it's ever been. That's translated into highest suicide rates that we've seen among our veterans, homeless rates, unemployment rate, in, in, incarceration, and so on. So, you know, she may call me an extremist because I love my country and I'm a patriot and I believe in America first, but I just call her a bad senator that is not serving the Granite State. And people see that. It's it's not that hard um, to convince people that she is not doing her job and perhaps it's time uh, to bring somebody else in and in particular someone who has national security experience, served our country is qualified to be a United States Senator and will go down there and work for the people of the Granite State. Is there anything of any importance or even anything, uh, whether it was economic policy or, or the, the closing the border? Because I know she went down to the border, made a big deal about that. And Daily Mail, not, not Gateway Pundit, not Breitbart, but Daily Mail had a big map of the country the other day, said 4.9 million unauthorized uh aliens, either illegal aliens or unauthorized people in the country just in the 18 months of Biden's watch. She went down there and she talks about game. But has there been any time that you've seen her stand up to Biden and vote against him or really challenge him on the economy, on geopolitics, on on the border security, the invasion of our southern border? Is there any is she is, she is besides the talk in the commercials, is she welded to the hip of Joe Biden? She's welded to the hip of Joe Biden. You know, she's probably his exoskeleton. Um, and, you know, when I see him, I see her. And, you know, this it's not it's not a good thing because it's not good for Granite Staters. Um, and, you know, I go I go talk to moms and these moms are tough. These moms are dedicated to their families, yet they're angry and they're upset and they're concerned for the future of their children and how they're going to heat their homes and how they're going to put three meals on the table how they're going to inspect their vehicle and register their vehicle and, and then fear if they don't do that because they're trading it to put groceries on the table, that they'll get a ticket from the police. And everything that has been done by her um, that is of you know any consequence, like our economic prosperity, um, you know our debt, which is basically the mortgaging of our children and grandchildren's future, and the national security under the umbrella of homeland security uh, and and security abroad, 
you know, she talks about women's rights all the time, yet she did nothing, did nothing when Joe Biden's policy in Afghanistan exposed women to beatings and to killings and the soccer fields turning back into killing fields uh, and, and kids can't go to school and, and, you know, women are back in burqas. You know, where has she been? Where's the outcry? Where is, where is her sense of, you know, uh, you know, you know, where, where is she upset with Joe Biden's policies when that's exactly what happened? On the other flip side of this, service members like myself, men and women that I commanded, built schools, hospitals, clinics. We built three mini malls. We put women to work. They own their own businesses. They went to school. They were teaching their children. And I get, you know, Afghanistan wasn't perfect, but there were some things that were done really well. And those are some of them. In, in a flash, gone, and where has she been? Nowhere, hiding, uh, unable to come forward, unable to stand on her own two feet and demonstrate the character and integrity that's required of a United States Senator. Uh, General Bolick, I know this University of New Hampshire poll has got you out. I think you're up 10 to 15 points or something like that. How can people get to the poll? How do they get to you on social media? And how do they find out more about you and your campaign? Yeah, we're actually up 21 points ahead of um, ahead of, uh, you know, the nearest uh, Republican opponent, which is great. And we're within margin of error behind Maggie Hassan before we even get in to the general election. Listen, Maggie Hassan's bought and paid for. She just boasted about five million dollars instead of instead of boasting about, hey, this is what I'm going to do to make sure we stop spending money for Granite Staters. Uh, she's boasting about her money. So I have a big machine to go up against that's financed from the outside, not from inside New Hampshire, but from the outside. And, you know, you look at her another six years of, you know, more of the same and worse because, you know, we got to get ready for the pain, according to the Fed chairman. Well, go to DonBaldick.com. Please do what you can to give so that we can have the money that we need in order to be able to put up the grassroots fight that we need to put up in order to replace her in the United States Senate. Please do that. And please go to Don Baldick, supporters of Don Baldick on Facebook and, and sign up, follow us there so you can keep up to date on everything that we're doing in our campaign. So that's Facebook, friends of Don Baldick. I also want to say that 21-point lead is after a, a big TV spend against you. So it shows you uh, the power of going village to village, town to town uh, uh, in... Um, in New Hampshire. That's the way they, they, they want retail politics. They want to see people in the flesh. So General Bolick, great job. Honored to have you on here, sir. Honored to be on here. Thank you so much, Steve. And thank you to your listeners and your viewers. God bless you. Thank you, General Bolick. Uh, we got a couple of firebrands in a row. I want to go to Tina Forte. She is running against, she won the nomination overwhelmingly in New York, and she's going to run against AOC. Tina, Thank you very much for joining us on War Room Battleground. Talk to us about uh, the, your race. Talk to us about your opponent. Uh, what's your angle of attack oh. here to actually win this seat? It's heavily Democratic, but how are you going to win it? How are you, Steve? Thank you for having me. Well, first, I'm in the district all the time. I raise my children there. I have a business here. The Latinos right now, they are the biggest group that right now are turning towards me because they ran from socialism and communism, and that's what AOC loves. I mean, she has a soft spot for Maduro and Castro. So right now the Latino vote is very big and they are coming on board. They like me, they speak to me, 
They like to have long conversations with me about what they're what they're worried about. And they're worried about the high crime. They're worried about the socialism. They're worried about the communism. They're worried about the high taxes. They're worried about their family, their children in school. They have a lot of worries. And that, I think, is what's going to win in November is the Latino vote, which is going to come my way. Are they, when you go around and talk to folks in the district, particularly people that are not registered Republicans, the independents and Democrats, do they feel that that she's more of a national and international media figure or really representing the district? No, she's not representing the district. They feel that she became famous and she forgot them. And that's exactly what she did. She used District 14 to push her radical left agenda. She wants to talk about how she doesn't like the rich, yet she likes to rub elbows with them at the Met Gala. And people see that. She's nowhere in the district. She's nowhere to be seen. She's just out there living an elite, lavish lifestyle, living with her freedoms and her private security while she left the district. She forgot us. She forgot everyone. So you're going, I take it your campaign is you're going door to door and you're actually meeting people just like General Boldick did. And he's up 21 points right now. And he's got a couple other polls that show him up that much or more in this primary. Are you, you won the primary overwhelmingly. Are the people in the district, they appreciate the fact that you're going door to door? Are you going to these small group meetings, town halls, and actually hearing, listening to what their concerns are? I'm doing both. So I go to meetings. I get invited to meetings all the time. So I go to the meetings and I go door to door and I go into the businesses and I talk to the people and I get a lot of support. While I was, well, I petitioned twice. So while I was petitioning, People came to me with issues. One person specifically in College Point had an issue about noise. Um, she, they couldn't get anyone to help with the noise problem. And I went and I started making phone calls and I helped them. They started confiscating the speakers where the loud noise was coming from. So I'm a fighter. I've been fighting for years for, for President Trump. I still fight for President Trump. I want him back. I fought for the masks. I was banned from school property for nine months fighting at my granddaughter's school. I'm, I'm a fighter and I take it right to them. I am not afraid. I will not back down. I stand my ground. That's why I made it on the ballot because the establishment fought me with everything. They came at me with everything. And I went and I had a primary. They did not want a primary with me. And I made sure that there was a primary and I made sure I won that primary because I want to face off AOC because I know I'm strong and I can face off with her and I want to debate her. And I want to see if she has the courage Tina, to the debate me because I'm a regular person. I'm not a politician. I know the issues. I understand them. Well, that's that, that's what I ask you. You, you, they keep t- the national media says it's impossible for a MAGA candidate. It's you know Joe Biden's going to address the nation. I think on Thursday night uh, about how uh, the MAGA movement, the deplorables, are a uh, semi-fascist. That it would be impossible to win in, in any of these big urban areas. What do you have to say to the mainstream media and the national media that says, this is just a fool's errand, there's no shot that somebody supports President Trump, but more importantly, is a MAGA candidate, can't, can't really, is not competitive against AOC. What would you say to that, ma'am? Fake news. That's what I would say to them. It's fake news, because I'm a MAGA candidate. I won the primary. I won the primary because I took on the establishment. I am the only one in New York that one primary that was not endorsed. And you know what? That is very, very hard to do, especially in New York. And I did it. And I am a MAGA candidate that did that. So I'm proud of myself. 
And I don't mean to come off Tina, like real quick, bragging or anything, but I think that's that's a big accomplishment. It's a huge, it's a huge company. Tell people, get, get, give us a couple, take a minute or two and tell us about yourself. The, the audience, particularly people that don't follow New York City politics or not on the East Coast, we have an international audience and a big national audience. Introduce yourself. Give a little bit of background. My name is Tina Forty. I was born and raised in Throgs Nick in the Bronx. I'm a mother. I'm a grandmother. I'm a small business owner. I am not a politician, and I've had enough. And I'm a strong supporter of President Trump. I'm a strong supporter of our Constitution. I love our Second Amendment. I love our freedoms, and I will fight for you. I will fight for us, because this seat does not belong to AOC, the establishment of special interests. I grew up with a Marine dad and an entrepreneur mom, and I will continue on fighting for everyone because that's what I believe in. I, I believe in this country. I believe in our freedoms. I have the American flag tattooed on my arm. I have my dad's dog tags tattooed on me. I'm a regular person and I'm here to fight for all of you and for this district. Tina, is AOC going to, uh, is she ever going to get on a debate stage and, and uh, take you on one-on-one? I wish she would. You know what I call it? AOC and the C stands for chicken. Come on, AOC. Debate me, please. Uh, Tina, to give people your social media, uh, your uh, your website at the campaign. By the way, you have some of the best. I don't know who your spot maker is, but you have some of the best, most effective and high impact commercials I've ever seen. Uh, so tell people how they get to your campaign, how people find out more about you and what's your social media. Thank you, Steve. It's Tina40forcongress.com. T-I-N-A-F-O-R-T-E-F-O-R, congress.com. And come and check out my page. Tina, you're a fighter. fighter. You're a fighter. And, man, you've got a fighter in your hands. It's a tough one. But I got to tell you, if anybody had to take on AOC that could beat her, stand up, mano a mano, it'd be you. So we're very honored to have you on here and uh, look forward to having you you back. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. Keep fighting. Tina Forte. Let's go to Paige. Uh, I want to go to Paige Wiley. Uh, actually, Paige is one of the principals of American Firebrand, one of the PACs. Paige, you gave a, um, or first of all, let me just ask you, I know, what do you think about the, the people like the Don Boldicks of the world, the General Boldicks and the Tina Fortes, this new rising, uh, you know, of every race, ethnicity, uh, coming forward and being the candidates uh, for MAGA. Tell me, tell me what your thoughts are as a professional, as someone that's a professional in the uh, in the political realm. Well, the most important thing here, Steve, is to have outsider candidates who are able to, as you advocated for, go directly to the people and represent their interests. Because we have a serious problem in Washington where the levers of government and the levers of policymaking are corrupted and compromised by special interests and by entities who cannot be counted on to represent the national interests or to put the prosperity of the American people first. So it's becoming increasingly important to have candidates in the mold of President Trump who are able to come in as outsiders who are not compromised, are not beholden, and they're able to do the right thing. What, as you go around the country and talk to people, what, what, are, what are the one or two priorities they're looking for in a candidate? Because you, you interact and interface with uh, with MAGA all the time, not just the donors. You're actually out there with the people. So when you're out there talking to people, what are they looking for in candidates? First of all, they are sick of talking points. They want authenticity and they want resolve. They want 
uh, politicians who, when they come to Washington, D.C., are able to target specific policy mechanisms to say, here's how we are going to, number one, strengthen our industrial base. Number two, close the border and actually have some meaningful law enforcement and deportation of people who are criminals in our country illegally exploiting the generosity of the American people and exploiting our law enforcement system. They want specifics. They want, as I say, they do not want a politician to be elected as a steward of the country and then to be on TV all the time, just acting as a pundit, as if they're a person with no power, as if they are a person who has no responsibility for what's going on. You go, you, you also interact and interface with a lot of the younger people, the younger generations. Daily Mail's got an analysis up today. I've put it up on my Getter account. Uh, of a report that's been done that talked about the millennial generation and talked about how they're, I don't know, they're like 60% behind in net worth where their parents were. It's just a devastating report. And I put it up there with that tagline I always do. I said, we're created, we've created uh, a generation of Russian serfs. They don't own anything and they're not going to own anything. And this is going to have massive implications for our nation going forward. As you look at the economy, not just the inflation, but also the difficulty of, of people really getting to the system to own a house, to own uh, stocks, to really be a participant in their 20s and 30s. What, what's the feedback you get when you go around the country and, and talk to younger people? Well, that is a, a major concern and it's a major priority. And so I would like to, I think, direct young people's attention to the fundamentals of the economy that got us here. And one of those is this shift where if you look at the economy as, you know, in, in a pie chart, the sector that um, represents the service economy, meaning in many times, jobs that don't pay very well, jobs without a huge amount of security, without excellent benefits that make it really hard for people to rely on a stable, good income for, you know, from even their teens or their 20s into their um, elder years. Those jobs, in many cases, um, they are replaced by um, part-time work by uh, contract work, by low-wage work, by low-wage service work. And working is obviously noble, there's dignity in work, but the problem here is that we have presided over a shift in our economy where the jobs available to people are no longer as stable and prosperous as they were previously. And a huge amount of that has to do, obviously, with the offshoring of our manufacturing sector, our industrial base, where people could, especially without a college degree and even without a high school diploma, people who had less advantage in life could build a very prosperous life and a stable one. And as we shift into this primarily service-based economy, you're getting this domination of jobs that are really not setting people up well for the things that you just discussed, buying a home, having a family. And if this is compounded by things like when you've got the CHIPS Act, which sounds nice on its face, they are never accompanied by requirements that these big companies getting these wonderful special interest handouts to do business in our country, they are not accompanied by measures to hire and train Americans for prosperous jobs. You, you had an interview the other day that we, my staff pulled and we watched. It was amazing. You actually called globalization almost like a religion. Can you explain what you meant by that? Yes, exactly. So this was an interview that I did on my podcast called This Is Your Country with Paige Willie. And this interview, I really encourage your listeners to go to it, to listen to it, because it is very, very informative. It's a walkthrough of how globalization became, in my mind, the most consequential ideology of probably the past century. 
And the reason is because through globalization, it is a sort of economic doctrine that subordinates the material welfare of the United States and its people to ideological abstractions and geopolitical considerations. And for example, this means that instead of having common sense policies that actually enabled the, the United States to become prosperous from our founding until World War II, including protectionist policies like tariffs and uh, a deliberate government building up of our industrial base, we actually did the reverse. We bartered away our advantage. This was a high point of, of Bill Clinton with his NAFTA policy and his pursuit of putting China in the WTO. And the problem with the religion of globalization was that it became this irrational obsession whereby even as, as you had all of this empirical evidence showing jobs, wages, prosperity falling off a cliff in association with these, these policies, they would not adopt, they would not adapt their conventional wisdom to it at all. Uh, Paige, how do people get to this podcast and how do they get to your social media? Because uh, you're on fire and, and uh, just like Joanna Miller, you two young women know more about manufacturing base and more about what it takes to drive the economy than just about anybody I see on business TV. It, it's really amazing. And I think a, a huge compliment to both of you that you're at the tip of the spear and really the most important thing, I think, for your generation, how to bring high value added manufacturing jobs back to this country. How do they get to your podcast and how they get to you, ma'am? Yeah, thank you, Steve. Um, find my podcast, This Is Your Country with Paige Willie on Apple or Spotify or YouTube and follow me on Twitter at Midwesterner with an E-U-R at the end and follow our product, our ads and our political engagement at AmericanFirebrand.com. You are certainly a firebrand and thank you very much for coming on Battleground. Look forward to having you back. Great podcast. Thanks for having me, Steve. Okay, I want to bring up uh, Tom Mullins. We're going to go to a break, Tom. Uh, it's very timely you come in after, particularly after Boldick, Forte, and uh, and Page, because you came and did an analysis. You've got a great piece up. I want everybody to link to the piece. I'll tell you, we're going to take a short break. But Tom, you've really gotten down to the fact of saying, hey, let's look at this uh, this this debt forgiveness, which really is a transfer to working class people. And let's see who's it going to incentivize. We're going to take a short break. I got Tom Mullins. He's going to cut Tom Mullen. In fact, he told me he didn't have the S. Tom's <laughs> going to be here. We're going to walk through an analysis on the debt. I've got Brian Kennedy, Naomi Wolf. We got a lot to get through. We're going to take a short commercial break. We're going to be back right in a minute, maybe two minutes, and we're in Battleground with Tom Mullen, Brian Kennedy, Naomi Wolf. All next. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. 
WarRoomHealth.com. All one word, WarRoomHealth.com. Use the code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WarRoomHealth, all one word, WarRoomHealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out. They put Peter Navarro in leg irons for simply doing his constitutional duty. Now they want to put Peter in prison for standing up for Donald Trump. Please go to Amazon right now and order Taking Back Trump's America to help fund Peter's legal defense. Taking Back Trump's America provides a critical MAGA blueprint to put Trump back in the White House in 2024. Buy Taking Back Trump's America on Amazon today. If they can put Peter Navarro in prison, they can come for all of us. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger, better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome back. Tuesday, 30 August already, Year of Our Lord 2022. I want to get Tom Mullen up. Tom, you, you've done, it's not just the inherent unfairness of, of making working class people bear the burden of this kind of what I call the woke elite, but you, and if, if Memphis can get this up, I think you got it to him. You actually did an analysis and said, hey, the problem is we're incentivizing the, the wrong people to get the wrong degrees. This is really going to, this is going to just add to the problem with these kids have right now, which they don't really take the tough courses. They don't take the tough, uh, the tough um, majors to actually be able to pay anything back or really have a, a, a job that provides a, a livelihood. Tom, you want to walk us through your article and your analysis? Yeah. And uh, you know, it, a lot of people are, concentrating on the 10,000 or uh, forgiveness or the 20,000 if you received Pell Grants, but really it's the change to the structure of the repayment policies. So three big things that this plan does is number one, it takes uh, the monthly payment cap, the most that you will be required to pay uh, down from 10% of your discretionary income to 5%. And then it redefines discretionary income. It used to be 150%, anything over 150% of the poverty level. Now it's 225%. So you're paying, you're taking that 5% off a, a smaller portion of your income. And then what I think is really the most devastating is it reduces 
the uh, amount of time you're going to be required to pay from 20 years to 10 years. So in the White House's own example, they say someone making 77000 a year is only going to have to pay $61 a month instead of $295 a month under the, the Obama policy. And they're only going to have to pay it for 10 years instead of for 20. So they're going to end up paying $6,700 total over the whole 10 years in that example, if they borrowed, you know, the max 57,500, uh, $57, which is easy to do, then they're paying only 11% of the principal and none of the interest where before they would have paid about $70,000 and change. They would have paid all of the principal and some of the interest. So, you know, you're, you're, basically making this free to get any degree you want. And when you go to the graduate level, you can borrow up to $138,000 and still make the same payments back. If you're making 77,000 a year, who, who makes 77,000 a year? Lots of people in education, maybe a, a professor starting out as an assistant, an education administrator, people with sociology degrees, PhDs in gender studies. This is a gift to President Biden's friends, and it's going to encourage his his base in the education, in academia to grow exponentially, I think. You're, you're saying because it incentivizes you don't have to have a degree that really is like computer science or, or information technology or engineering or one of these practical arts where you come out and you can make you can make real money. It'll incentivize you to say, hey, look. I can get I can get a, a gender studies or I can do, you know, some of these uh, with these woke courses and I'd really don't have to worry about paying it back because it's not that mu much money. Uh, the, the deer they're cutting me is essentially free money. Is that your point? Yeah. And I don't and obviously you're not going to have a doctor who says, well, I could you know pay back less if I become a, a, a master's in education. But you will have people who otherwise might not take some useless degree stay in school, go to graduate school uh, when they otherwise wouldn't because the return on investment wouldn't have been there and they would have had that $295 a month hanging over them. $61 a month, my 16-year-old my daughter could pay that right now. So you're going to incentivize a lot more people who otherwise wouldn't get these useless degrees to get them. All of those people, almost 100% vote Democrat and that's really the political time bomb that no one's seeing here. No, it's a, it's a, it's for the woke elite. And by the way, they just stay in school forever. Think about it, what 138,000 for graduate school. Why would you, and the payment terms are so easy and you cancel and you know, all the interest and most of the principal, Tom, how do they get to the, uh, how do they get to the article and how do they get to your podcast? Uh, just go to Tom Mullen talks, freedom.com. The article will be at the top. And uh, click on podcast. You can find the podcast as well as on all podcast apps. Tom, thank you very much for joining us on uh, in uh, Battleground. Appreciate it. Great to be here. Let me bring in. Uh, thanks, brother. Let me bring in Brian Kennedy right now. Brian, before I get to the what I asked you, come on about Bill Barr. You've been around education. You were at Claremont. I mean, you're, you're a guy that that understands the value of education. What do you think about Tom's analysis and this entire thing of this? student debt fiasco, which I happen to think is not going to get approved because I think it's illegal and unconstitutional. But just on Tom's math and what's your overall thoughts about this, this fiasco, about the debt forgiveness? 
Yeah, no, I thought that analysis was spot on and uh, very important and really does call into question, even if it was really affordable, do people want to be going to college and learning things that are essentially worthless? Can we not again decide in this country what people really need to know to have a productive life? And much of what people are learning in college today, even if it were free, is not worth it. There's only a handful of colleges around the country that actually will give you a good education, something really worth learning. And I think Americans, to the, to the extent that they have to pay, not merely with money, but with their time, ought to be looking for something of real value because the country is about to enter a very perilous stage in our history. And this is exactly the time you want to know things that really matter. They've a bunch of analysis on Daily Mail and other places this afternoon about how inherently this is unfair to working class people. Do, do you do you buy that that this this is a really a, a hat tip to the woke elite? Oh, absolutely. And I thought I thought Tom was was absolutely right about that. People should should pay for their own education. Period. That way you'll make better decisions when you can distribute this much of the burden of your education on everyday working people, it's, uh, it's simply not fair. And Americans, if anything, have a real passion for fairness. And when they hear this kind of thing, it strikes them as not merely unfair and unconstitutional, but basically un-American. This is not how Americans should behave. And, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, considering that Joe Biden is calling all of us semi-fascists, this really does look once more like a, a a projection of real fascism on on the American people. By the way, it's bad enough he did it in a gym in a suburban Maryland, uh, but he's um, he's going to address the nation tomorrow night and basically say that the MAGA, you know, six two thirds of the nation is semi-fascist or fascist. You had Bill Barr had this amazing interview with Barry Weiss, uh, and I thought it was shocking that his biggest complaint was what he called the far right getting people stirred up for poppy compared president uh, president reagan's nice populism with kind of trump or this maga populist nationalist that he says is uh is is too sharp elbowed uh is is too divisive is too uh they won't surrender they won't give up uh what's your assessment of the bill barr interview and, and really bill barr's uh pitch that we want a nice gentle uh, reagan populism which i don't happen to be think is true but that's the argument he makes yeah, the reason the article matters at all, it, you know, Bill Barr is the past in so many ways, but Bill Barr's essential point in there is is twofold. One, Trump's politics is not is not effective or productive. That he may have served a purpose in being disruptive, but overall, Donald Trump lost because he really did have those sharp elbows. He really did want to change Washington, and that simply wasn't going to work. He talks about giving President Trump advice that if he had done a few more things, he'd win re-election and he'd be considered a great president. But he didn't do those things. President Trump continued to be President Trump, wanting to really dismantle the administrative state. And what comes through in this interview is that Bill Barr does not want to dismantle the administrative state. He was there as an establishment type Republican, not to help President Trump in the MAGA movement was to control him. And that alone should be a great lesson for President Trump and the entire movement that we have to have people in the next administration 
who actually believe in dismantling the administrative state. The second point, though, was he when he calls he he often uses this, the phrase and he calls BS on this or BS on that. And the biggest thing he calls BS on is that the election was stolen. And the reason that matters is we're going here 60, 70 days from now. And if the election was completely fair in 2020, we ought not to worry about what's going to happen in November of this year. Now, most of this audience who has been educated by you and by others over the last several years knows that the kind of I won't even call them shenanigans, the kind of lawlessness with which 2020 was conducted cannot happen in 2022. And we need to be vigilant over the next 70 days to make sure that in November of this year, there is not the kind of lawlessness we saw in 2020. We need to have poll watchers, election observers, people working at the polls, making sure that there are free and fair elections. If we do that, in places like Arizona, in Nevada, in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, there is an opportunity to take this country back in 2024. If we don't win this fall in those places, in those governor races, the secretary of state races, and the attorney general races, we will be up against it in 2024. And so everyone needs to be vigilant now. And when Bill Barr starts talking about how the elections are completely fair. That's just nonsense. And people really need to double down on what it will take to have fair elections this fall. I want everybody right. to go to precinctstrategy.com. There you can sign up and become a precinct man for the Republican Party, but you can also, they can farm you out and put you in touch with being a poll worker, election judge, canvassing, all of it. You've got to get engaged. Everybody has to, we have to be fully deployed. Real quickly, Brian, the comedian of the present danger, the chairman, uh, give us uh, the Tuesday, Thursday. What time do people go to these magnificent seminars that you guys put on twice a week? Where these webinars? Where do they go? Uh, they can go to presentdangerchina.org and they can sign up for the webinars, which are twice a week. And there's a great library of the ones we've had in the past. Uh, I was rewatching a couple of them the other day. They're very relevant, very informative, and there'll be a real education on the harmful effects communist China is is perpetrating against the United States. It's unbelievable. Uh, Brian, real quickly, your, your social media, you're at American Strategy Group. How do people follow you on social media? On social media, it's at Brian T. Kennedy on Getter. And thank you, Steve, for all you do and, and uh, keep up the fight. Well, we always will. Thank you, Brian. I want to bring in another fighter, Naomi Wolf. Now, so Naomi, in, in probably the most important midterm election, since the Civil War, um, we have, um, you know, you got all this news now with new boosters. You're doing research. I think you guys have 35 reports. You've got the two companies. So you got Moderna suing them. P give us give us walk us through. Where are we in all this and how they talk about new boosters? They're suing each other. Uh, you've got you guys are coming with these reports. You've got a new one on on, I, I think, uh, men's fertility. Where do we stand with all this? It's, it's almost difficult to keep up with the new findings that back up what you know is my belief that um, these, these injections are intended or have the effect that no one's stopping, who should be stopping, of harming the American people. And more and more evidence is emerging 
that the harms are to reproduction um, and that the harms are very specifically 360 degrees to women's uh, ability to reproduce effectively or successfully. Um, and since I even last spoke with you, there's been even more really disturbing evidence that, that I'd like to share with your audience, if I may. And I do think it's so important because, you know, as we've seen just in the last two weeks, legacy news outlets like Associated Press and The Spectator are willing to uh, hammer an immediately corrected math error, immediately publicly corrected math error that one of our volunteers made, but they're misdirecting or redirecting their audiences in a very dangerous way uh, that is really a disservice to their audiences away from what is emerging in multiple places from multiple databases, including elsewhere in the Pfizer documents, as terrifying evidence of massive harms to female reproduction. So Cameron said I could walk you through two new data points uh, from our reports. Is that possible? Yes, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead, ma'am. Okay. Thank you so much. So uh, one of them is uh, Denver should have a very scary image. Um, and I'd appreciate it if your producer would post it. If not, you, there it is. Oh, my God. So that is, ladies and gentlemen, that is a pregnant woman's placenta. Um, and I'm going to read uh, Dr. James Thorpe's description. It's his image from a presentation he gave. Um, this is an ultrasound image of a third trimester placenta in a pregnant woman who received the Pfizer vaccine eight weeks prior. This is a typical pattern that is commonly seen by him about eight weeks post Pfizer vaccine. The white areas surrounding the placental lobes, also known as cotyledons, represent calcifications from significant inflammation. Typically, this finding may be associated with significant growth slowing of the fetus, that is the preborn baby, reduced amniotic fluid volume, abnormal fetal, fetal surveillance testing. And then he goes on to describe what fetal surveillance testing should be and should do. And then he says the large dark area in the placental lobe on the right may be consistent with a blood clot. So again, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how many of you, you know, have been pregnant, had babies, your wives or partners have had babies, but that is not what a sonogram looks like. That's not what a placenta that is healthy and normal looks like. Those are terrifying, uh, unnatural, irregular calcifications that Dr. Thorpe explains are related to inflammation. And over and over again, the, the science that our experts are finding and that other independent good researchers like Dr. Corey, Dr. Malone, Dr. McDonough are, are finding is that these uh, materials in the vaccines cause inflammation. Um, so when I was reading the description, again, there's less volume of amniotic fluid, which of course, the baby needs in order to develop normally. And anecdotally, what we're hearing from nurses, and I don't, I am not ashamed, uh, you know, as for 35 years covering women's health, women's sexual health, women's reproductive health, with two giant bestsellers about you know, obstetrics and gynecology and female sexual response. Um, you know, I actually know what I'm talking about when there's a problem with women and women's health, especially things that are hard to talk about, like giving birth or menstruating or, you know, menopause, you first get the signal from women telling their stories among themselves. And you also first get the signal from nurses 
talking among themselves. So anecdotes are important. And what we're hearing is that nurses are saying they are inducing labor early uh, with vaccinated moms because the baby's um, not safe because the placentas are compromised. And remember, over and over on this show, I would say the lipid nanoparticles are traversing every membrane in the human body. The placenta is a membrane. The placenta is the most sacred, important membrane God gave us in order to reproduce our species. And how do you have a placenta that is not compromised if these industrial fats, these lipid nanoparticles coated with polyethylene glycol are designed to cross the placental barrier? And remember again and again, and this is all over social media today, um, spokespeople here in Britain, in Europe, we're saying to pregnant women, go ahead and get the injection, get the mRNA vaccine. It cannot cross the placenta. It can't hurt your developing baby. They were lying. They were either ignorant and, and, and in, inflicting their ignorance on defenseless mothers and their Could, innocent fetuses. We, we, we've only got a couple of, hang, we've only got a couple of minutes and I got to have you back on tomorrow morning. This is that important. But I got to ask you, were they lying or you think they just in your professional opinion, misread the data? Well, it's, it's impossible to misread the data. And, um, you know, next time I come on, I'll walk you through Dr. Chandler's latest report, which shows that even Pfizer knew in their own records that women were sustaining 75% of the adverse events. And of those 16% were what Pfizer called reproductive disorders female reproductive disorders. So Pfizer was lying. The FDA saw every one of these pages. The FDA was lying. And so everyone up and down the chain of command in our HHS and in our health system was lying to pregnant women. ACOG must have been lying, the, you know, the, the licensing boards, the gynecologist boards. So um, I, I, there's no way to mistreat the data. The data are clear that women are being hurt. Okay. They're right here on my phone. They're right there on daily health. They're in the Pfizer <laughs> Hang on. We're, we're, we're going to have you back on the 10 o'clock show. We're working your schedule. Just last thing. I've only got 30 seconds. They just booted out 22 cadets or midshipmen at the Coast Guard Academy. I think today, I think a few of those are women. How is this in 30 seconds? How is this still going on? If, if, if this is so, if this is so cut and dry, Naomi Wolf. Well, you know, my answer, but I'll just keep saying it because everything I've told you all you know, is true. Um, and if, if, if we ever make a mistake, we correct it immediately. But look at the massive 37 reports. They all are true. And what I've warned you about for months is true. It doesn't make sense as medicine. It makes sense as warfare. These female cadets are being targeted. Our military is being targeted. It is, a, you know, these injections do things to, to the female 360-degree reproductive system that Na can't be Na done. Na Naomi, we'll get... We'll, we'll get to it tomorrow. Give how did how do people how do people get to Daily Clout real quickly? Go to dailyclout.io and you'll see all thirty-seven reports there. You'll see the latest by Dr. Chandler showing this damage. Um, and please continue to. We will have, we we will have Naomi on at ten o'clock tomorrow morning. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you.